Warning! What you are about to hear contains explicit language, adult themes, and potentially disturbing content. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts and do not reflect the opinions of anyone else, anywhere, ever, in the history of the world. This podcast is intended for an immature audience and should not be listened to by anyone, anywhere, ever, in the history of the world. You know, fuck it. You've been warned. Ladies and gentlemen, dorks and dweebs, nerds of all ages, GeekPod Network Productions is proud to bring to you the most electrifying middle-aged guys in Syracuse, the Doctor, Hugh Allen, the pod whore, Paul Showitz. Alone, they are single geek beacons in a dark cop drama world. But when the mics go hot, they are GeekPod. God Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Geek Pod. I'm your host, Paul. I'm Hugh. And I'm Corbs. Guys, what you playing? Well, I mean, we're, we're all obviously playing Assassin's <laughs> Creed Valhalla. Yes. So, so. so how's um, it going? Uh, loving it. I actually played a little bit oh, more. Yeah. I'm sure I'm still the, the, the furthest back <laughs> out of everybody um you're, yeah you're, you're definitely you're definitely third in a race of three here right yeah bring it up the rear <laughs> on this one <laughs> but so, i um go ahead, yeah, go ahead. where are you at so where are you? no no go ahead where are you at because we you and i talked about it earlier so i am at um the home base basically i can't ford ham or something like that yeah ford yep. Yard. Um, and i think i took the wrong route to get there because when i was trying to figure out how to sail from where i was all of a sudden it went to that desynchronized thing and then i'm running in the shadows which i realized after that that my game wasn't fucking up and that, that means you died and you're starting again. <laughs> nice uh and then it, and it popped me onto land there on, on fortham I'm just okay. going to call it that because that's how I remember it. And Corb seems to think that that's it. So I'm going with it. I think so. Yeah, I think that's um, what it's called. But my mission log and I, Corb's and I were texting about this because he keeps asking me if I've, I've fought the douchebag yet and killed him. And I'm like, no, don't rush me. We've, we've got months until I get there. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the, the, the funny part about it was I was texting you and you're giving me like a one word answers. I'm like, dude, is everything okay? Because <laughs> it was like, have you done this yet? He's like, nope. I'm like, okay. Have you played it all? Nope. Yeah. Have you played uh, anything? I I give him um, trying to be funny. And that's what he was like. Are you okay? (laughs) Are you having a stroke here? I didn't know something was going on. I was like, shit. Did I do something in the middle of something here? No, no. Apparently, I'm the only one that texts during the people are in the middle of stuff. That's true. You do. (laughs) Oh. Sounds um, like there's a story there. Not yeah, much of one because I got the one. hint real fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just like, okay, I'm out. See ya. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I'm past that. I, I, went, I went on the next raid 
and we were talking about this last time. I kept going to this spot there, and I kept dying. I kept getting burning, basically. And we, yeah. You're right, Hugh. I hung back a little bit to let them do their thing, and I picked off guys here and there when I could. And I got through it, and obviously going to the next part of it, get, you know, go through the next gate or whatever. And I killed that, the one guy that's there that's got the real big, long axe. I picked that guy off from a distance with a bow and arrow. I don't know how nice. the hell I did that, but I hit him with like three arrows and he died. I tried to fight him on my own with the axe and he kicked my ass like three times. And I was like, well, I'll just kind of hang back and let these guys deal with it again. And I was sitting like on top of like a, a post and I could see him off the distance. So I just started shooting a bow at him and I hit him. And next time he died, I was like, well, shit, if I, it was going to be this easy. I still wonder if there's something with your difficulty because I, I don't think you should be having this much trouble this early in the game. And, and, and I, to be honest with you, I was, and it, last, last time like, I kept dying because I kept burning and stuff like that. I was getting a little upset because I was like, man, I, you know, I don't think I'm doing anything wrong. I didn't change the, the setting on it at all. Um, and I just played it the way I, I had it set up. And like I said, I had a few issues with it, but it wasn't so bad. It wasn't as bad as the last time. Like I just, every time I kind of walked near something that was on fire, I caught it on fire and I was like, wait, this, this sucks. I got to figure out what I'm doing wrong. So did you start using the light attack? Like I suggested? Yes, I did. And that works. It does work a lot better. Okay. Yeah. Another thing too, as you get go levels and you gain skill points, are you yeah. using those yet? Are you putting them into stuff? No, not yet. Oh, okay. Okay. Because here's the thing. In a lot of games, you can save up skill points and okay. then put them into a tree if you want. But the way that Valhalla works is you have a power level, you might have noticed, and regions and raids have power levels. And those skill points, not only do they give you whatever you put a point in it, but it also adds points to your power level. So, I mean, you might be sitting on 20 skill points, but you're weak okay. because your power level is low. Like, you you just take take a few minutes, distribute all those skill points, you'll come back and you'll be more okay. powerful. So I just got my first uh, skill points um, as I stopped playing yesterday. Um, I think I have two points to spend right now. And yeah, I, I think I've got, I think I've got somewhere. I think, I think you said, I think I might have somewhere like, like eight or 10, maybe I have to look, I have to go ahead and go ahead and look at that. I mean, I try to distribute them like after I've gotten like 10 of them, unless there's a particular skill I'm going for. Um, I would suggest you guys, uh, you can look up, a a map of the skill tree because it is kind of clouded until you get into that particular area. Uh, but go for, um, double-handed or okay. basically um uh two it, there there's one where you can do two-handed weapons in one hand now a two-handed weapons more stronger of course but if right. you can if you have to use both hands to hold it you know you only have that one weapon well there there's a thing that allows you to have two-handed weapons in a single hand so you're like double fisting two-handed weapons um, okay. awesome awesome skill of uh, trying to th man you know I, you google search um how to distribute your, your skill points there's some really good recommendations out there that's where i i went uh, okay. to get an idea and, and it really depends uh, kind of on the kind of build you want but i think that you guys are pretty much going to want what i want is just a you know badass go in there and tear shit up mm -hmm. you know uh so it's it's not hard to distribute them in, in that way uh one good thing is check your armor because if you have your your armor has an alignment. If there's bear, raven, and something else. Actually, all gear has has an alignment. And for instance, I lucked out because I I have my my Twitch account, uh, well my Amazon account 
set up and they did this thing where you know if you have amazon you get a, a free set of armor so i got this like full set of bear armor when i started the game and okay. so even though maybe i wasn't interested in all of the bear skills there are on that those constellations like you'll go like one will be like point plus point two to, to light attacks plus point two to heavy attacks plus two light plus three all bear aligned stuff so basically I, i'm i'm buffed because of the gear i'm using and the the th things i put my skill point in so my character is is fairly powerful now because of the way i distributed those like That's if i was to change my armor i would become weaker because right now i but I, i'm not going to change my armor it's a good armor so. right okay so yeah so i got i ended up killing is it is it cavort who knows <laughs> right. whatever that guy's name is the, he's the the guy that killed the guy that killed his father so I did. A, I, I that's why that's what I texted you, Paul. I was like, did you? Because I didn't think it, I died like the first three times I did it, and I'm like, did I screw up? Because it, it asked you, do you want to fight him? Do you want to go and fight him now, or do you want to wait? And I was like, ah, oh, fuck it, I'm gonna go fight him, not thinking about it, thinking maybe it would be something a little bit farther on. You said go fight him, and then you're at his front door. Yeah. Nice. I was like, shit, <laughs> this is not what I wanted to do. <laughs> so I fought him, you know, and you've got to. And Paul, this is something for you to know. You gotta dodge a lot. You gotta yeah, dodge. Yeah. You gotta move out of the way and stuff like that. Um, it took me. It took me forever to kill him. I, I, I died. I mean, my son, my mom will tell you. I mean, I was yelling at the TV because I was dying. But I kind of was like, you know what? This is it, it. You you start to learn what you have to do. So, and I finally ended up killing him. And then you you have to go through his his camp. His brother runs away. To the north, and you get to go through and pit, basically uh, pillage his vi his village. You go through, and get his gold and stuff like that. That's where I am right now. I just finished doing that, and I'm kind of hunting around in the mountains for the other stuff that he's that are is kind of laying around. So, are you using uh, the lock on function, Corbs? I don't. Okay, because the game so. doesn't the the game doesn't really explain this to you, and I, I discovered it by accident. Um, you know, the, both the sticks are also buttons. You can push them down. In the yeah. yep. Okay. Right stick locks you onto an enemy. So like in a boss fight like that, where you're concentrated on one guy, that's super helpful because yeah, you dodge, but when you turn back, you're facing them. You, you yep. stay facing the enemy the entire time. So yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. That, yeah. Cause that I learned that in that battle and it would have been a lot harder without that. Also, the battle changes uh, for you, Paul. It, it changes places. You start fighting them in one place, and then you end up in a pit. In that pit, there are raspberries. Yeah. So you oh, can okay. real quick, you know, grab a little health if you need it. Yeah, that's and, and I, the first time I the first time I fought him, I ended up down there and I had very little, and I didn't and I didn't know that at first, Hugh. So I went back. I went back to the one before I saved it, before you started fighting him, and I started again. And, I, and as you're running around, there's still there's some berries around on the top side too that you can pick up. And then, like you said, when you go into the pit, there's, I think there's f six or seven spots you can get them. So it, 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 it helped out a lot. Yeah. She, this guy picks up bodies and throws them at you <laughs> and stuff like that. So, but it, 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 it took a while. It took a while to get through it. But you, if you stick with it, and like I said, you got to, you got to hit the, I think it's the square button to dodge or whichever button it is to dodge and move out of the way. Yeah. Like he, you'll see him coming at you and he's got one of those real long, real long X gotcha. things. 
you got to obviously got to be out of the range of that. But if he's running at you, I found it easy if he's running at you to go at him and then dodge as you roll and roll past him. And he's because he swings, oh, we swing away from you. And then when you hit you, you'd be hitting him in the back. And you take a, it takes a little more. I, I found it took a little more HP off if you're hitting him from the back. Mm-hmm. So it seemed to work a little bit easier. I mean, it, it, it took probably when I when finally got going and you got in a good rhythm, it probably took a, a good 10 or 15 minutes to get through the battle itself. Cause like I said, you got to keep dodging. And when you go into the pit, like I said, he starts throwing bodies at you. He hits you with bodies. Again, you got to be able to move the body somehow when you dodge, he sometimes will actually adjust to you too. So you have to dodge and then maybe even dodge again. So when you're doing it, kind of keep that in mind. Okay. Now, I don't know what would happen if you say, because when they ask you if you want to go fight the guy, if you want to go, you know, raid his village or whatever, there's one that says you don't have to do it right now. I don't know if you click on that because I just went ahead and did it. I wasn't even all thinking. That, all that does is you just get more time to do other shit, and then you can come back and do that when you want. Okay, to. that's that's kind of what I that's that's kind of what I figured. So, but so yeah, so I just went ahead, and went in and fought him and stuff like that. So. And I got, like I said, I got past that. I, I found the, the secret room at the top of the waterfall. I found all that stuff. I got all the stuff that was in the village there. And now I'm kind of like on the outskirts in the mountains and stuff like that. I found the, I don't know if you found, there was a guy that you find that he's at the top of the mountain. You throw all of his stuff off the mountain. Mm-hmm. I found that guy. And then he jumps off the mountain. I was like, what the hell is going on here? You're also going to run across a, a waterfall and uh, a gentleman and uh, he's going to ask you to fight him. And I, I'm just going to tell you right now, don't do it. Okay. Um, you're going to come back to that way later in the game. Okay. <laughs> I, assume, I, even, I assume he's probably a, a tough guy to fight. Yeah. Yeah, really tough. Um, well, because after when I was when I was where Paul is right now, and you've got to try to find the, the I guess you would call her the, the psychic's hut. Yeah. I ended up on like the other side of the island, climbing up a thing, and it, again ended up on the top of it, like a waterfall area. Because you can go into the map and you can click on a spot, and it gives you the light where you are and where you've got to go to, which I found kind of helpful at times. When you click on something, if you're looking for like the gold or his the treasures or whatever, you click on it, you can see it off in the distance. You can can head in a direction. You maybe not get to a certain. You may have to go like you may have to climb a, a you know. A mountain to get up to these spots but it kind of helps you in the direction to go um when i was looking for her place i ended up, ended up in like a little area with a waterfall and a pond in a moose and i'm like elk. Holy shit. the I legendary the elk moose, and the moose kicked my ass yep I, I already stumbled across that too and i decided this wasn't a fight for me right now <laughs> the same thing yeah. i'm like nope i got here uh i found that and i was like yes because legendary animals are something from the past game so i had a blast nice. with that uh, so yeah i just same thing paul i just kind of i ran and climbed up the the mountain in the back and got away from him and i thought that so well, i'll sit up here and shoot at him with a couple arrows I didn't realize you only get a few arrows. You only get only you hold like 12 to 15 arrows to start. I don't know if it increases as you go. You can along. increase your quiver size. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I just, I noticed that I only had like 12 and I was shooting them and I ran out of arrows. I'm like, well, fuck, what do I do now? You do right. recover them from bodies though. So yeah, I did. I did notice that like when I was on the Island at the beginning, when you're going to rescue your, uh, your crew, like I shot, I think I shot a couple of deer while I was on there. And as you walk up, you loot the deer, you get the arrow back. 
Well, you actually get the arrow back just by walking over it. Looting, I, I nice. believe. Yeah, it does. Looting okay. it gets you the, the deer meat, but just walking over something that you've shot an arrow to, into will give you the arrow back. Nice. Okay. And now after I ran away from uh, the legendary elk, I uh, stumbled across a couple of villages up in the mountains. One of them is a marauder's village. And um, I, I found a, a special weapon there. I found a war hammer that's up in like a tree fort. Okay. No, I didn't come across that one when I was there. I might have to go back there and take a look that's, for that. Um, it's, it's further off because I, I was actually trying to find my way back and I just stumbled across this stuff. It was more of the, uh, like on the map, it had the, the gold um, yep. icon saying that there's treasures there. That's how I ended up finding the elk was because I was following the one that was a mystery. And then when you get close, it shows the big paw. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So I, that's... I, I, at first, I didn't realize I didn't realize that you can, you know, that's, I didn't, I wasn't really looking at the map. I was just kind of wandering around trying to find mm -hmm. this person's, this person's hut. And, it, you know, like I said, I ended up on like the other side of the mountain from where her hut is. I'm like, what? I'm like, I got no clue where I am. I'm, I, at that point, I'm thinking, all right, did I screw something up? Do I got to start the game over? And no offense, I stumbled upon her hut by accident. Like I was coming down the, the back other side of the mountain and I, I look like there it is. I'm like, there it is. <laughs> like, holy crap, I found it. <laughs> now I don't even have that mission. Like my, my quest log still says that I have to get home. So I, I don't know if there's something where I have to go check in. Yeah, I think you have yeah, to go talk to somebody. Yeah, yeah you gotta go through and talk to a bunch of the people in there. There's a guy that does like a a rhyming thing. He's in there. You, yeah, you gotta you gotta talk to the girl outside the king's fortress she's one of the guys that, and then i had then i went up and did the the because you have to go you have to do you have to find i think, I think it's Valky's hut or whatever her name is Valky's Valkas. Hut. yeah you gotta find her hut first and then you gotta come back and talk to the king after gotcha and then yeah after i haven't found that, any of them yet okay i uh, i was just wandering around the village i i taught the the one sentry at the at the front how to shoot a bow yep you know after i i, I thought those were bad guys the all the dummies because i did the odin site and it lit them all up red yep. so yep. i'm sitting there trying to get them and i went to jump down on one of them and i landed on a torch like yeah, i just landed like right on top of the torch and i'm i didn't realize it was a torch i'm looking around and all of a sudden my guy starts going ah Ah, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm on fire! <laughs> I ran down into the water, and that's when I found her. So. Uh, you know, something it, it just occurred to me when you guys get to the point where you are, have to to find the flighting papers, and you, you'll know what that is when when you get there. Um, let me know because they are insanely difficult. I mean, they're they're such a pain in the ass, but there is a super easy secret, and I, I will. Share it with you once you, you've tried yourself a few times. Nice. Very cool. So just keep that in mind for when you get to that point. Um, yeah, I think I've just ran into like the random people in, in the village so far. Like I said, her, I've ran into the guy that you have to play dice with, and I, I lost that game. I'm terrible at that. Um, I went, I found the store, and there was absolutely nothing good there right now. In the, in the, because I'm looking for spears and stuff, like you said, but nothing good and then apparently now i have to go to a tattoo shop you don't have to but you can all right i noticed he was a little offended that she wanted to cover up his his wolf scar so 
Good. I didn't get. I didn't. I didn't even do that in the village. I just, like I said, I went through and did the rhyming thing, went back and talked to the the girl that sits out in front of the king's hut, and then it said to go and find this other girl's hut, the okay. psychic's hut. So. Well, apparently I need to go back to the village and figure out all this stuff because I've done no rhyming and and there's been no king. All I know is there was a there was an icon over what looked to be like a pretty big building, and that was where all of the vendors are. Okay. So that's all I've seen so far, and then I just took off into the mountains, just wandered off. You have a mission, okay? La 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 la. Right. <laughs> That's Paul. Hey, look, what's that? <laughs> Just took off. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, yeah, the, the it's like seeking sun or something like that is the, the one that you when you go and talk to the boss and then you gotta find the the psychic's hut. So I like I said, the first one you go and find the hut because you go to talk to the king and the girl's like, Well, he's talking to this guy and you can't really disturb him right now. I was like, well, I'm not gonna fucking wait around. Don't you know who I am? <laughs> so I just, like I said, I just took off and went up into the, the mountains and stuff like that. The one thing I did like is when you were up and you found the the hidden room at the top of the waterfall. I like the fact that you could jump off the top of that waterfall into the water. I did that. I was like, I'm just going to do this to see what happens. And I, if I die, I die or whatever. And I jumped off and, and landed in the, the, the pool of water underneath it. And I'm like, oh, badass. <laughs> I tried doing that as well with that where the elk is, and that's when I found yeah. out that the water is literally like an inch deep. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't work out so good for Ivor, that's for sure. <laughs> but yeah, you'll you'll know you know what I'm talking about when you when you find the the yeah. hidden room. I I haven't found that one yet. So yeah. well, you're not you, you you haven't gone on the raid yet, so you don't know. Okay, no. I know so I had an option at one point that asked me if I wanted to go on raids or anything like that. Well, because there's what'll happen is when you see the psychic and then you go back and talk to the king, your brother comes back or your brother. They're not obviously not brothers or whatnot, but and then he wants to go and take back their land or whatever, and you go with him. So that's the that's the raid that you go on. Gotcha. But you'll find that out when they when they come back. That's when you get the the knife on the, the wrist that the, all the hidden order has. Okay. The hidden the hidden blade or whatever they call it. Nice. Yep. So, Nowhere's near that yet. Yeah, you'll know yeah, when you, when you talk out. to the king, you'll that's when you'll 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 see that. So like I said, I'm a little bit past that. I'll, I'm gonna probably play for a little while tomorrow. Nice. So very, very cool. Is that all you guys got then? Um, yeah, I mean, it, uh, it's hard to talk about something when I'm only probably all told 20 minutes into the game. So, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I did have a couple other gaming related things. I wanted to give you a VR update. Um, first of all, loving the PSVR, uh, and I'm going to actually talk about it a little later, uh, but a, a few things. Number one, um, grabbed Fruit Ninja. Fruit Ninja and VR is fucking awesome. It is so awesome. It is just when I discovered it, I'm like, I didn't even think I'm just like, boop. And, uh. <laughs> It's, it's such a blast. Uh, struggling with some uh, motion sickness. Really? Uh, from some games, yes. The uh, Particularly the uh, Walking Dead games. Because, you know, of course, there's two of them on, on there. There's Saints and Sinners and there, there's Onslaught. And um, so far, both are good. Struggling with playing them because, I mean, the, the first time I played, uh, I really sat down and played uh, Onslaught. I 
20 minutes in and I had to stop and I felt like I was going to puke the rest of the night. Wow. It was, it was awful. And apparently this does happen to some people with the games where they have free motion and you do build up a tolerance and it gets better. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just took me by surprise because I'd been playing VR all week and right. I've not had any issues. And then on Wednesday I go to play. I'm like, finally, I get a chance to play the walking dead game. Cause Avery was doing something else and no one was going to bother me. And I start playing like, Oh, so, um, that was, that was kind of, uh, surprising for me. Um, but beyond that, yeah, so far, I, I think it might be the best purchase I've made, um, ever when it comes to, uh, to, to video games. It's just so immersive. I also wanted to bring up the the big video game news this week uh, was Capcom put on a, a big showcase for uh, Resident Evil 8. I'm not sure if any either of you guys saw that. Uh, it's called The Village, which is interesting because Resident Evil 4 happened in a village and there's a lot of similarities there. Um, you know, it does. Uh, it seems uh, very much like that game. Um, there's a some more melee moves. It seems like it's going to be more melee based than some past games. There's some versus game modes that are may- maybe released as separate games or, or something alongside it. They have a, a lot going on for that. Um, this is different. It's not zombies. There's a vampire, there's werewolves, you know, there's a big castle. There's a vaguely European looking village, that kind of thing. It's uh, very reminiscent of part four, but they're diving into other supernatural things. Uh, so that's interesting. Resident evil with vampires. Nice. Not, not yeah, something cool. I thought, that I was going to see, you know, but yeah, the, the game has kind of gotten, I mean, everyone thinks of it as zombies, but the past few installments of the game really haven't had any, they haven't had zo- zombies in them for a number of installments now. No kidding. I haven't played since the original one. Yeah, me either. So, yeah, but uh, that, that's the big gaming news. Uh, but yeah, I wanted to let you guys know how VR was. Was there anything else other than the thing I wanted to talk about later? I don't think so. Just, uh, yeah, I, I, I wish I wish you guys could come over and try it out. I want to show it to people. That would be cool yeah. at some point when the world isn't ending. Yeah, well, I, that's probably never going to happen. So. <laughs> right. All right. I, well, on that note, how about we jump to our first break, and then uh, we'll come back, and we'll find out what's got us geeked. Sounds good to me. Sounds good. All right. Stay tuned, fellas. The fourth annual Sci-Fi Horror Fest returns in 2021 with an all-new location. This family-friendly event will have new celebrity guests, new activities and attractions, as well as a diverse selection of vendors, ranging from horror and sci-fi merchandise, artists and authors, tattoo artists, podcasts, as well as unique vendors like breweries and wineries. Sci-Fi Horror Fest will be held on August 27th and 28th at the Vernon Downs Casino and Hotel in Vernon, New York. Guest announcements will begin after the new year. For all up-to-date information, including tickets, vendor space, and sponsorship packages, go to www.sci-fi-horrorfest.com. Please note, dates of event are subject to change due to any lasting issues due to COVID-19. Welcome back. And boys, what's got you geeked? Well, I'm excited to talk about this uh, because what has me geeked probably would have Corbs geeked too, and maybe even you, Paul. Um, Yes, I'm going to go back to talking about VR, but I discovered something amazing this week. Everybody's golf VR. Waiting for the responses. Okay. (laughs) So apparently everybody's golf is a game uh, franchise that's been on regular platforms. Um, I was doing some reading about what were good VR games, and people raved about this. So I picked it up, and holy crap. Oh, here here comes the cat. 
Uh, well, I don't know how this is going to work with the, the background. Say oh, hello, she showed Riley. up for a second. And now. Right, right, bug. Say hello. No? Okay. No. She doesn't like to be held. Wow, this is so cool. Now, here's the thing. This game is great. There are a few annoying parts, though. Okay, just if this is it looks like it's a first party game because, you know, it comes up, you know, Sony Interactive. So that means it's it's a either a, it's a Sony owned studio, basically. And that's great. But, you know, they you know, how they have weird sensibilities in Japan. Yeah. Okay. Um, cat. <laughs> you were irritating. Um, so. This could just be, you know, an awesome golf game, but you start off the game and there's this cute little waifu. Oh, hi. Welcome to the country club. Okay. Then you get out on the course and you have another cute little waifu. So it's a little Asian girl with an English accent, like a British accent, who's nattering on the entire time you're playing and gives you a useful tips like, oh, it it skews a little left there after you've already hit the ball. Um, I, I look through the settings. I'm like, can I shut this bitch off, please? I, I don't, I don't want this. I don't want any caddy. It's, it, that's just creepy. And every once in a while in the game, they'll do a little break between holes. So you might be sitting on a, a, a park bench with her as she's eating chocolate candies that you gave her. And maybe she offers you one or sitting in a golf cart. And she's like, Oh, here, let me show you your score. And I'm just like, this is so fucking creepy. Is this for like lonely people who like golf? I mean, what the <laughs> fuck? I mean, considering that it's like the, uh, one of the, the only real golf game on the, the, the VR to begin with, you know, if, if it was a, like a niche title, I would understand. Like if there were tons of golf games and like, you know, here's one for the lonely neckbeard losers who have an anime pillow body pillow i get it but it's not okay so fucking weird that set aside and the fact that you know i'm playing this and i'm hoping that my wife and daughter don't look at the screen because it would be embarrassing the actual golfing part is so much fun i mean you you got the the club in your hands you look down you can do practice swings and then you hit a button and then your club actually it's like the ball is transparent until you hit that button and you take a swing boom it hit it and i mean it's I think it's as close to the real thing as you could possibly get it. And, you know, I've told you guys in the past, I'd love to play real golf. This is the closest I've ever come to playing real golf. And I, I'm having a blast with it. And I, I'm hoping that at some point, you know, we can all go actually do this for real because it makes me want to do it even more. Mm-hmm. Uh, the closest I've ever gotten to real golf, and I don't know if they did this with you, but, you know, in, in high school and in grade school, you know, once a year, they take everybody outside with a bucket of balls and some putters and say, go here, kill 45 minutes. They didn't teach you anything except for how to hold the club. Right. And that's it. Nobody, most of them were running around holding it like a machine gun, you know, and, <laughs> and, and playing, you know, star Wars or cops and robbers or whatever. Um, so th- it's pretty exciting. And I'm looking forward to when I can actually take, cause it takes about an hour to play through a course from what mm-hmm. I read, take the time to actually do that. You know, the scenery is beautiful. It's rendered realistically. Uh, I think it would be nice to play through an entire hole and I did an entire course. And I did notice that they have other courses that you can buy. And I don't know if they're based on real courses, but if you're a golf fan and they are based on real courses, that would be really cool. A B since we have VR, why is nobody going total photorealistic? I mean, I know that they, they create golf courses in games, like real ones. Um, We have the technology now, get it like photorealistic since you don't have to really run around in it. You go in one spot and that, you know, you're static when you're playing. I don't see why that's not possible. I can imagine golf fans would pay a lot of money 
to oh, yeah. be able to to have you know a course from Scotland or Japan yeah. or something you'll never get to play. So yeah, it was just, I, and I was just I was just thinking that Hugh, when you were talking about that VR, like a real life VR. I mean, for people that don't play or can't go, like my my grandparents went to Scotland to play golf when that when that, before they both passed away. That was their that was their last trip they went on together. They went over to Scotland and played. They played the new course at St Andrews, which is the oldest course on the planet. The old courses, the new course is something you can go and play now. The old course is where they play the British Open, and it's for men only. That's one of the only courses in the country that you can't get on it if you're a female. That's wow. bullshit. It, it, it is very much. It is very Fuck much golf. But, <laughs> but and then, but like you're saying for somebody who probably will never get a chance to go over there unless I win the lottery to go and play over, over in one of those courses, it would be awesome to be able to put on a VR headset and go and actually see that course and play that course in your living room. Yeah. He advertised at British open for poor people and women. I mean, right. <laughs> <laughs> so but that, it, that would, that would be awesome. I mean, if they, if they could come up with something like that, if they could come up with a, a game that had the real courses, I mean, there's courses right here that, Obviously, you can't get on and play like you can't get on where the matches are played every year at Augusta. That's a private course. The only people like they're members, but you got to be. I want to say it's like you have to have have at least a ten million dollar bank account to be a member there. Wow! You know? So it's, you're talking like you're talking doctors, you're talking lawyers, and the only other people that can play on it is whoever wins the Masters. If you win the Masters, you're a lifetime member there. So if you win the matches, you can go and play whenever you want. Oh, Obviously, so you could be like, ha ha, I got 400 bucks in the bank, but I can play this course. Myself. Exactly. That would, see, that would be, that would be fun to be able to do stuff like that, to play courses in the area, mm-hmm. even to play courses like on the West coast. Like I was, you know, the, one of the courses, one of the old, nicest courses of the courses in the area is, is Pebble beach in San Francisco. It's a public course. You can go play it. But again, for me, it's all the way across the country and you got to you first got to get the money to get there. You got to find a hotel there, and it's one hundred twenty five dollars just to get on the course to play the course. I mean, are you willing to are you willing to drop a thousand dollars to play golf over there? I personally probably would because that's a course I would always love to play. Between the flight there, the flight back, the hotel, and the golf, I would probably drop a thousand dollars to do that. But that's me. I'm a, I'm a, I'm an avid golfer. I would do I would do shit like that, but for somebody who doesn't play golf, yourself, Paul, you know my brother who's who's a, he golfs but he's not an avid golfer like I am to play courses like that. If you like I said with in a VR headset and to be able to take to, to maybe even just buy the course for five bucks, ten bucks or whatever, and then you can play it whenever you want type of thing, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, the other thing I'm geeked about, and I don't know if this is going to work. Um, actually, I'm going to have to shut off my background. Hold on, because we already know that doesn't work. So let me turn off the background. Got to show you guys something on my wall. All right. So, so far, ah, what happened? Lost video. What the fuck? Uh-oh. Ah. Wait. Well, that's a big H. All right. Do you see that awesome poster? Yes. That's awesome. 
that it is awesome. And and this does not do it justice by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I ordered that this week and I put it up here in uh, my office. Now that is one of my favorite comic book covers. It is the cover of a Hellraiser, a boom studios, Hellraiser comic, um, number eight done by Tim Bradstreet. And uh, who's an amazing, you know, our, his stuff work on Punisher on Constantine on Hellraiser is, uh, um, I think legendary. I would I'm really happy about happy about that. I feel kind of bad about that though, because I had to order it from one of those places where you can make your own posters. And um, I want everyone to know, I legitimately did the very best I could to purchase this from a real place, and you can't find it. I assumed you could get any comic book cover in the form of a print or a poster, especially. I mean, that that's a fairly iconic picture. Um, even just Tim Bradstreet's regular stuff. It's just, I, I, it's not out there. The, right. the, I did find the original pencil sketch from the cover on eBay for like $800. And I'm like, wow. it's a fucking poster. <laughs> so, I mean, I tried. I, I did everything I possibly could to give money back to the original artist. And it just wasn't possible. Um, even on his own website, nothing. So I ended up taking uh, the highest resolution image I could find and making a poster on, on one of those sites. Uh, but really happy with it. Came rolled up really tightly. I don't know if you noticed it's sticking out from the wall. Yes, I noticed that. Okay. Yeah, I had to, to, and this is probably apropos because it's pinhead, but I had to nail it to the wall and it's still <laughs> curling. Um, so it's there's nails coming out of it, but it's it kind of makes it 3D. It kind of pops out. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited about that. I've uh, wanted that. I've actually been looking for a print of that for probably two years. Wow. And, yeah, uh, I, I, I think we uh, we had a discussion about that before because you were it was bugging you that you couldn't find any legitimate sources for any of his work yeah. for like wall hangings. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if I ran, run into Tim Bradstreet on a street and I told him that I did that, would he be mad at me or he'd be like, "Yeah, I know my my online store sucks." <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean. One of two ways you're getting punched in the neck or congratulated. I'm not sure which one. Well, I just, you know, I, I wonder how do comic book artists, you know, and if anyone listens that, that has some insight to this, you know, drop us a line. I mean, how do you feel about that? I know that there's a, a lot of people who don't like it when um, people make money, making prints of other people's work. And I completely get that. But how do they feel when, when somebody legitimately can't get something, you know, it just doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Because that's really not, your fault for the most part then you, you try right. i mean and you and like you said i mean from what you guys just said it you've been trying for two years to find it yeah and you haven't had you haven't had a chance you haven't found it in two years so you took to the next step two you took two years trying to find it couldn't find it you took the next step and you made it yourself yeah and you know i mean it what drove me to do that was just that um i was looking for a reminder of um you know my particular struggle right now and, and what i'm dealing with and and that the the pinhead face palm, you know, is it 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 it, fi it finally had new meaning. Maybe, maybe it was something, you know, it was a totem I found earlier in life that was going to have meaning later, and I just didn't know it yet. Um, but I'm like, you know, I want that in front of me every single day to uh, to to remind me. And uh, I'm like, I have to do this, and that's what made me pull the trigger on it. Well, that's nice. very cool. I like it. But that's it. That that's what's got me geeked. How about you, Corbs? I got a couple of things that have, that's got me geeked. Um, I got one thing that's kind of got me um, sad. And I, I'm just going to bring it up real quick. Um, in the past 30 days in Major League Baseball, you, you've lost Tommy Lasorda, 
the manager, longtime manager of the of the Dodgers, Los Angeles Dodgers. He lost a key player from the Dodgers in Don Sutton. He died a couple of days ago. And just this morning, the past home run king, Hank Aaron, passed away this morning. I saw that. Yeah, so that that kind of took me back a little bit. You know, they always say things come in threes, so – you know, that, that was kind of uh, – that kind of took me for a loop this morning. I was sitting watching uh, – I think I turned on SportsCenter for a second, and the bottom line, it said Hank Aaron passed away. And I'm like, what the hell? Just what? Now, and I'm, what I, I bring it up because you guys don't know, when I was younger, and I'm talking when I was in middle school all the way through high school, I was a avid memorabilia person. I collected baseball cards, sold baseball cards. I had my own – me and my father and my brother, we did uh, baseball card shows, trade shows. You go and you sell cards and you get autographs and stuff like that. I would go to Cooperstown every year for the Hall of Fame inductions. Um, so you get to go through and and, uh, and meet the players, these guys that were in the Hall of Fame. And, you know, obviously some of these guys are, you know, over, older at the time. Um, but it was, it was always really nice to go and meet these guys and get a chance to talk to these guys. Because you think of some of these players, you think of some of these guys are real jerks and they don't talk to people. They don't, they stay out of the spotlight and whatnot. I found it different when I was there. These guys always seem to take the time to talk to people. It might've been for 10 seconds, you know, hey, how you doing? Where are you from? Nice to meet you type of thing. That's all. I, that's all you ask. And there were some guys that would, you know, just sign the thing and, and shove it to you, and you, you on your way, yeah. kind, of, kind of, kind of heard you through. But he wasn't one of those guys. Hank Aaron was not one of those guys. He always took the time to, to you know, he shook my hand. I met, I met him. That's what I'm getting. He took the time to shake my hand. Told him I was a baseball player. He asked what position I played. Like carried on a conversation like we were sitting in the park, and took the time to to be interested in me, which, I mean, at the time it was, you know, 1990. I mean, he was, he was in his, let's say late fifties, maybe early sixties. He didn't know me from a hole in the wall, but took the time to sit down and spoke and speak to me, you know, like I said, 30 seconds, maybe a minute, you know, just kind of told me to stick with it, stuff like that. And I thought that was kind of cool. And he's not the only guy that did that for me. Um, another guy that I met doing that is, uh, my brother's favorite baseball player was Ted Williams. And I did a card show with Ted Williams. Isn't he from married with children? <laughs> I think he was on there. Yes. <laughs> I, I believe he was, but we, so we did this card show and, um, I have a book that's got the hundred greatest hitters of major league baseball. And it has people from all the way back in the early 1900s, all the way through, I'll say the late 80s. I think the latest person that was in there, I think was like Don Mattingly. So in the, in the middle of it, or at the very back of it, is a picture of Ted Williams. It's a full page picture of it. Um, and he's one of the guys I looked up to when I, when I was playing baseball. I, I tried to, to take his philosophy towards hitting. Um, so I bought his book. It's called The Science of Hitting. And in it had a picture. It's a diagram of the of the strike zone. And in it, it's got baseballs. And it had his 
diagram of where it was that he hit the best pitches the best high and tight low and away and it was color coded color coded so wherever he was strongest was was green if the pitch was in that area four times out of ten he was going to hit it and get a, a base hit and obviously the blue ones were the cold areas and stuff like that and my brother had that book so he brought that book to get that picture signed and i brought the 100 greatest hitters book to get signed and my brother went first and he signed it and said oh you know do you know, did you read this book? He goes, well, yeah, you know, and I batted left-handed and I kind of looked at it because so I didn't really play baseball much. I was more football player. So, okay. And sh shuffled them along. And I was like, oh, I'm like, okay, well, he's going to say something nice. I put the book down in front of him and the look on his face was like, he was like, oh my God. And I, I looked at my brother and he kind of looked back at me like, what the hell is going on here? And he looked at the picture, looked at the guy next to him and goes, this was from 1940. It was a spring training game, hit a double off the wall in right field. I'm like, I'm like, how the hell do you know that? He goes, I can tell you every hit I had. Wow. What the pitch was. And I was like, really? He goes, yeah. Because it's, it's, he goes, I, he goes, thank you for this. Thank you for showing me this picture. And I was like, you're welcome. <laughs> Shook my hand, took a picture with me and my brother, and my father, and nice. wow. yeah, it was like, wow. Oh, that by the was... way, I was wrong. It's Ted McGinley. He was Marcy's second husband on Married <laughs> Children. I don't know what you were talking about when you said yeah, he was. But well, they they, they, had, they a... had a they had a, a baseball one, and he might ah. think he might have like a guest star on it or something like that. Ah, gotcha. So that's that that's the thing that's got me not geek, but I just wanted to bring that up about Hank Aaron. And I went and I got into the Ted Williams thing because that just kind of showed what the, some of these guys were. A lot of these people thought these people were assholes and whatnot. And they didn't really talk to anybody, but I found him be, to be different. So then the other thing that's got me, the other two things that got me geeked is, as you guys know, I'm no longer using my cell phone to do recordings. I bought a camera and a microphone. So now I'm using my desktop, which is nice. I finally got it worked. I had, I had to have Paul kind of help me make sure the camera was working. I had to have him log in real quick to see if I could get the camera to work and it was working. So we figured, I figured that out and everything works. It's great. And I'm happy that I can actually do this, not having that little tiny ass screen to look at. Nice. But you're so, less mobile now. You can't just walk yes. to the kitchen to get your, your glass anymore. <laughs> can't do that anymore. <laughs> but then the same token, I can get text messages and not fuck up the <laughs> the show yeah. the, the podcast and then um the other thing that's got me geeked is i got my new glasses today nice so i had been uh i had my prescription for the longest time just before i got laid off i had gone to the doctors and got prescription actually before the world shut down i got my prescription for my eye doctor and i just had never gone and gotten them filled so my old my glasses and i got glasses my mom got glasses and my son got glasses. We all got glasses, but I went and got them at BJ's instead of getting them through my doctor. So my doctor was going to charge me like 500 bucks for my glasses or whatever. I went Yikes. to BJ's and got it for 250. Nice. So, so now I can see better. There you go. Nice. So that's what's got, that's what's got me geeked. Is I got my glasses. Now I got to work on getting some contacts and then we'll, uh, I'll be good. But so for me to get the thing that's got me geeked is uh, I got my glasses. <laughs> I can see. <laughs> and the reason I bring it up is the glasses I had from before, you guys don't know because I don't wear them because I can't. Those those glasses that I've had for 25 years. Wow. Never once wow. changed the prescription. 
Everyone's changed. My contact prescription that I had changed all the time, but I never wore my glasses all that much. Now that I've been home, I don't wear my contacts as much, and I don't. I have one pair of contacts left, so I only wear them when you know when I go and do so, I go out or whatever. I go on date night with my girlfriend or whatever. I'll wear my contacts, but when I'm sitting here at home or I'm driving or take my mom or whatever, I wear my glasses. So are you trying to say people that wear glasses aren't sexy and can't go out on dates? Because that's what it sounds like you're trying. Yeah, to say. No, no, Amy, that's precisely what he's saying. Yes, <laughs> I'm not saying that because now I can wear my glasses when I go out on a date because I can fucking see again. Because <laughs> I mean, and those glasses I had, my my girlfriend and my mom will tell you, they were like cockeyed on my face, and because I had had it for twenty, they were loose. The the the, the sides were Both. loose. Like I take them off, and you could like go like this, and it would fall over. So. I need desperately need new glasses, and I finally boned up and, and went and, and got them. I got my son's glasses because he needed them for when he's on the computer, which is pretty much 24-7. And I got mine, and I got my mom's glasses because she broke hers. So nice. I, was able, I was able to get all three sets of glasses. We went and got them two weeks ago, and they, mine came in on Wednesday, and we went and picked them up to, today at 2 o'clock. So. Nice. That's it. Sight Paul, is doesn't always under, Paul doesn't understand how exciting new glasses can be. No, he doesn't. Because he's not perfect. yet. <laughs> it's coming. You'll, you'll, you'll get there. Don't worry. Yep, it's coming. I know. When, when I had to get up off the couch and walk to the TV to see some of the text on uh, Valhalla, yeah, it's coming. <laughs> you just gotta sit closer to the TV, my friend. <laughs> I don't know. The couch isn't that close. That's the problem. <laughs> I, when I play mine, because it's in my room on my PlayStation, on my TV in my room, I have a like a card table chair mm-hmm. that is in my room that I use when I play PlayStation. I put it like right, <laughs> right next to the right next to the, the TV stand. It's like that far from my from my knees. <laughs> so, I mean that works too. So that way you got somewhere to put a drink. Exactly. That's exactly. You can't go wrong there. I can put my feet up and relax and. <laughs> All right. So what's got me geeked is um we we did our update on our, on our good friend um Maddie the Veg Doc, right? Yeah. And I posted the pictures on on the Geek Pod page on Facebook. Did y'all see that? I did see that. Uh posted both Kevin's and your picture. And um had a little write up on there in case in case the, our listeners haven't said it. It says uh the return of our old buddy the Veg Doc, still not a gynecologist. Still probably an angry little man who tried to threaten litigation with three laughing faces. Good to see you got yourself an upgrade, Maddie. And then um, we said, and I say we loosely because Laura decided to post as us. um, Maddie, how the hell you been, buddy? Well, he responded. I didn't see that. Or did he respond privately? No, he responded right there. There's there's a small chain. It's great. Uh, And he tagged us in it. That's how I saw it today. Um, his, his name, I guess we can give his full name cause that's public now on here. Right. I, I guess so. Yeah. Uh, so Matthew O'Brien, uh, it says geek pod. I've been pretty good. My dude. Thank you for the D ride. Always great to see my plate. Thank you for the D ride. What's a D ride. I, I think he's insinuating that we're riding his dick. Um, uh, I think, okay. um, okay. so I responded and said, it's been a while. We were psyched to see you again. To which he responded, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Geek Pod, awesome. I'm glad I could bring some light into your day. 
So Aww. it was it was decent. I, I think um, I think I'll probably respond one more time and ask him if he wants to private message me his address, and I'll send him um, a GeekPod sticker to slap on that ride if he wants. Oh, well, there you go. There you go. Yeah, that's probably not a bad idea. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's not like before where he was literally trying to yeah threaten us with to sue us and yeah. yeah. I think there was some veiled threats of violence in there too. And well, you got the messages, man. You can just pull them up. I'm sure I could, but I have to dig them out because I, that was when he shut down his Facebook account. So it doesn't really come up with his name anymore. Oh, gotcha. Um, and when you're, when you're getting messages to a page, it doesn't exactly come up real quick and easy. Um, but anyway, you know what? That was the past. He seems to be much cooler to us now. I mean, um, cause seriously, when, when this happened, we were excited. We were like, that's crazy. I mean, it was, it was not like, you know, man, I bet that guy's a dirty asshole. I mean, it was just, we were excited about it. If I remember it, it was a long time ago. Um, I mean, I think originally Corbs and I made a few um, insinuations. We, we were, we were extrapolating. It wasn't on mic though. We were talking about it just between the two of us. No, no, no. Oh, so we you called him a you called him a dirty asshole off mic. Okay. So. Uh, no, <laughs> no. I'm pretty sure we we we. <laughs> did we, did we, did we, did we rip his ass on fucking mic? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we we basically said we we figured he's got to be some kind of a douchebag. Um, okay. Because just with a, a license plate like that, with what you immediately think it is. Yeah. Um. So I mean, after we found out, I mean, I, I believe we uh we. We apologize. We we did a, a full public apology with our tongue firmly planted in cheek, um, but I mean we really apologized and we corrected ourselves, saying that what it um, really means, um, according to our, our new friend Matthew. I can't call him Maddie anymore when now it comes up as Matthew, so it makes me. Well, he's, sad. Gotten, he's gotten a little older now, so he's right more sophisticated. Also works for himself now. That's what I saw. So, wow. um, whatever it is he does, uh, if, if our if our audience needs that service, go go see our our, our new friend Maddie O'Brien. So yeah, I was I was pretty. You're gonna I, call Maddie though. I can't stop myself. It's just so good. It just sounds douchey. I love it. I can't help it. <laughs> Wait a minute. Refresh my memory. What is he? What did he do? He was some kind of Audi Audi technician. Was it? Yeah, he was okay. a, a specialized mechanic for audis and um volkswagen okay okay i'm gonna have to dig up the old one so i can i can show you the because he gives us a, actually a really good explanation in between being douchey in the messages yeah. about it um but i don't remember what it was because we really didn't care that much because we were really enjoying taking a piss at him yeah um, did i say that right that's kind of a british thing Hugh. so i'm looking at you taking the piss yeah yeah okay I, I still you didn't you took the I think you took the piss Adam you didn't take a piss Adam those are two different I mean I probably would have I mean that's I also did I remember involved? I remember I also did challenge him to show up at one of our live events and punch me I remember that yes, too. I remember that. <laughs> and I would have taken the hit you'd actually let him do it yeah I would have I mean I just uh, I would have been mad at you guys if you didn't record it but <laughs> Uh, I wonder what else you would take as long as we record. Nope. <laughs> not, not on mic, right? Not the, not, not off mic either. I'm putting that out there. <laughs> Don't lie. Nope. Nope. <sighs> All right. So uh, let's move into Hugh's news segment. 
Take it away. All right. So uh, first up this week, Apple's to Oculus. Apple has announced they are making a VR headset, and this is going to be something a little different than what we're used to. This is going to be a very expensive um a premium product they're talking about having uh, it's going to fabric on it it's going to have a built-in fan which is a fucking great idea uh but the idea is it's going to be a really expensive you know a small percentage of people adopt it as a precursor to a more consumer-friendly version uh one of the the internal reports say that they're expecting to sell maybe one of these per store per week you know so they're not okay. looking to make a lot of money off it it seems like they want to get it out there and really test the technology and come out with something cheaper. Now, here's the thing. When it comes to Apple, when they say, hey, we want to put out this expensive thing to come out with something more consumer-friendly and cheaper, well, consumer-friendly and cheaper for them is also ridiculously expensive, so I can't imagine how much this fucking thing is going to cost. Um, next up, Cuban? No, Bothan slash Rodian. My father was from Alderaan. Nobody gets that. Liam Neeson has expressed interest uh, in moving away from a ton of action movies. He wants to start doing other things. He's been approached by Seth MacFarlane and Paramount Studios to star in a reboot of the Naked Gun series. Come on, that's one of my best lines ever. <laughs> All right. Uh, so if you're not familiar with the Naked Gun, it is a series of movies that was based on a, a TV show that was canceled after six episodes called Police Squad. Um, really funny show. It was on ABC, I believe, and uh, it, it, it wasn't it was one of those play that it was the right idea, wrong, wrong place, wrong time. Maybe the Naked Gun movies came out, which continued that story. And so good. Uh, yeah, they, I actually got me thinking I want to rewatch uh, some of these to see if they hold up because so much doesn't these right. days. Uh, but I mean, him in that role, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I kind of like the idea. I, I, would I, love I, could, I would watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I totally be sold. I mean, that's it. You know, that, that's all you had to say. Liam Neeson, Naked Gun. I'm going to watch it. And uh, finally, what big feat you have. Oklahoma State Representative Justin Humphrey has introduced a real-life bill to create an official Bigfoot hunting, hunting season in the state of Oklahoma. Okay. Now, this is legitimate. It's going to look, include a license tags things like that uh, oklahoma is known for bigfoot sightings and apparently they want to kind of uh, cash in on that now they have a, a bigfoot festival in october if you're not aware of that and he's talking about trying to have it coincide with the festival so you know get a whole mess of people coming to oklahoma oklahoma to find bigfoot and then give people licenses to go kill them um i don't know that, that, that could be a recipe for disaster uh but there's a caveat he really doesn't want you to kill bigfoot uh he really wants you to capture one alive so he's working on putting together a twenty-five thousand dollar bounty for anybody that can bring a bigfoot in alive um i just you know i'm thinking to myself some of the people in oklahoma they're probably going all right you know we get some we get license get some tags fill our freezer keep it on the down low <laughs> um you know it's just funny, though, because, I mean, this is what we've got. Our lawmakers are actually spending time and money to create a hunting season for a, a mythical animal <laughs> or a, a, crypt, a, a cryptid. I mean, I, I like that kind of stuff, and I'm not saying that Bigfoot doesn't exist, but, you know, I, I have to look at that the same thing if they decided to have a Jersey Devil hunting season, you know? Not or, the hockey team. Just Yeah, yeah, not the hockey there. team, the, the actual Jersey Devil. Um <laughs> that's just craziness uh but I, I suppose if it makes them money i mean all right uh now that's the news kids now i'm back to 4chan to explain to everybody that it's called the paris climate accord because it was signed in paris okay if it was signed in syracuse it would be the syracuse climate accord fucking idiots all 
<laughs> All right. On that note, we're going to cut to break and we're going to come back and do um, our classic movie review. All right. Stay tuned, ladies. The fourth annual Sci-Fi Horror Fest returns in 2021 with an all-new location. This family-friendly event will have new celebrity guests, new activities and attractions, as well as a diverse selection of vendors, ranging from horror and sci-fi merchandise, artists and authors, tattoo artists, podcasts, as well as unique vendors like breweries and wineries. Sci-Fi Horror Fest will be held on August 27th and 28th at the Vernon Downs Casino and Hotel in Vernon, New York. Guest announcements will begin after the new year. For all up-to-date information, including tickets, vendor space, and sponsorship packages, go to www.sci-fi-horrorfest.com. Please note, dates of event are subject to change due to any lasting issues due to COVID-19. All right, we are back, and we're going to go right into Corb's classic movie review. What you got for us this week? Oh, I'm going to review a movie that's close to my heart. Um, again, going to go with what I was talking about earlier, what's had me kind of depressed. This is a baseball movie uh, called Field of Dreams. I'm sure 90%, if not everybody in America, has seen the movie. Um, Hugh, have not seen the movie, huh? Nope. All right. And I haven't seen it in years. I, 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 it was on last week. Um, was watching, well, I was watching the football game. One of the football games. And the game was over with. Um, and I was kind of flipping between a couple different things. And I flipped on to MLB Network and it was on. And it had already started. Um, so I was kind of like, oh, you know, I'll watch it for a few minutes. Uh Kelly was here, so we were. I was going to watch it for a few minutes. We had had uh, it was after family game night, which we did again, um, which is always fun. Um, so she stayed. We we were gonna. I kind of figured she would stay for a little while. Um, she always complains that I kick her out, but I don't kick her out. <laughs> um, so we started watching it. So that's I kind of that's kind of why I decided to do it. And it has a special place in in my heart and i'll explain that towards when this is all done said and done movie itself i think is a great movie it's about a 36 year old um gentleman named ray kinsella played by kevin costner uh he and his wife annie live in iowa and they are corn farmers no i guarantee you both have never been to iowa i have i've been to iowa actually you been to Iowa? I have. Oh, didn't he guarantee that you hadn't? I did guarantee. Hmm. I don't know what that means, but we'll figure that <laughs> figure that out later. <laughs> but then you can attest to it. When you're driving down the road, all you see is fucking corn. As far as you can as, far the, as I you can, can see. see. And it's so fucking both, flat. Both sides yes. straight ahead. It's corn forever. I won't even say miles. It goes to the horizon. Yes. It's, he's not wrong. That's not an exaggeration. Um, so he, um, he's, you know, he's in a kind of conflict in his life. He he's, feels like he's becoming his father. He doesn't really want to um, not achieve anything in his life. 
So he's kind of in that crossroads. Like he doesn't know what to do and doesn't really understand anything he has done in his life. Um, one day he's walking through the field, checking the corn, and he hears a voice. Basically, it says, if you build it, he will come. Um, oh, that's where that comes from. Yes. Yep. Um, and it's been used in other it's been used in other things and parodies and stuff like that. But it's from this movie. If you build it, he will come. And he looks up and sees um, an image in the field of a baseball field, basically where his corn is. It's a baseball field, and on the field is Shoeless Joe Jackson, which is was his father's favorite ball player. He discusses it with his wife. Um, basically says, I want to plow under our crop to build this field so that Joe Jackson has a place to play. So he does it. Um, the, the town that he lives in or lives by basically calls him a nutcase for doing it. Why would he plow under his only major crop type of thing? So he builds it. Um, and then towards it doesn't happen like it doesn't happen right away but like the next spring or whatever one night he's sitting in his house and um his daughter comes to him and says there's a there's a man out in the field and he doesn't understand so they go over and look out the window and in the left field you see joe jackson he's just standing there so he goes out to greet him um he had some a few fly balls um, and then asks him to pitch to him so that he can hit. The only inaccuracy that I don't like is Joe Jackson was left-handed, and in the movie, he hits right-handed. And Joe Jackson the movie is played by Ray, Kinsa, uh, sorry, Ray Liotta. You all know Ray Liotta from many, many movies. He's, he's, was a relatively big, he's a relatively big actor. Um, you don't know him? That or sounds no, like not. a brand of salami to me. <laughs> he was in Goodfellas. I don't know if you've seen that one. You know, like, you know, man, I could go for some Leota and cheese. <laughs> so maybe some olives. <laughs> All right. There's your title, Paul. Leota and cheese. Um, so, you know, he hits, a fly, he hits five balls. He pitches to him. Um, and stuff like that. So they start talking about, you know, a how he got kicked out because Joe Jackson was suspended for life for gambling in 1919 with the Black Sox scandals, which is um, something that I've researched a lot. Um, like I said, Joe Jackson's my favorite baseball player. People don't understand how I can like a guy from the 1910s, but I do. Um, I've read the books about it. I've read the book that this movie is based on. So yes, I do read books. Both of you can stop laughing. I wasn't Not laughing. I know. I assume All you could stuff. read a little. <laughs> well, it, it was big. It was big letters. Um. So obviously, um, he builds this field so that his father's favorite player can come and play. He brings the other guys that got kicked out with him back, and they kind of have a practice. Um. In the meantime, they're in danger of losing their home. So, you know, they don't understand. And his wife's brother works for the, the mortgage company or whatever, and he's trying to get them to sell them so that they can replant the field with corn 
and make money again. Um, so one day after practice or whatever, he's walking through the field again and he hears the voice again. And it says, ease his pain. And he doesn't understand what it is. They go to a meeting, a PTA meeting that night. Um, and the PTA meeting's about a guy from the 60s, 50s and 60s, um, Terrence Mann, the big writer at the time, um, and then just kind of fell off the, fan, the planet um, until the early 80s when he started tinkering around with uh, his personal computer and he writes interactive children's games that helped him solve conflicts peacefully. So he takes that as he needs to go and meet this guy, Terrence Mann, and take him to a ball game and he'll get another sign as to what he needs to do. Um, so he goes to Boston where Terrence Mann lives, gets him, uh, actually doesn't get him, kidnaps him with a, a finger gun. Like? Yeah. yeah. Finger guns, okay. Finger gun. Yeah, he puts it in his pocket and says it's a gun and, and whatnot. And so they go to the game. He gets another message about um, a player from 1922 named Archibald Graham. Nickname is Moonlight. Um, so he played one game in 1922, never had it in a bat. So he's like, okay, well, we can go home now. I'll take you back to your house, and I'll, I'll, I'll leave you alone. You don't have to worry about it anymore. So he takes him, takes Terrence Mann back home, drops him off. They kind of talk a little bit, and as he's leaving, Terrence Mann steps in front of his uh, VW van, is what he's driving, um, and says the name. So he obviously saw the same sign that uh, Ray did, Kevin Costner's character saw. So they both decide that they're going to drive to, um, <coughs> excuse me, uh, is it Chisholm, Minnesota? Chisholm. Something like that. Um, where he, Moonlight Graham was from, Archie Graham was from, Archibald Graham was from. He, that's where he was born, and that's where he died. So what it ends up being is they show up there, um, and they're looking for him, obviously, um, but he died many years ago. So they got, they, they, they're kind of confused as to why they're going there to look for this guy that died uh, at the time. I think it was like 20 years ago, 18, 20 years ago. Um so they're, they're sitting in the hotel room. Um, they, see on the, they see on the news that Terrence Mann has been kidnapped because his, his son has been trying to get a hold of him and can't reach him in Boston because he's in Minnesota. So Kevin Costner's character goes for a walk, and next thing you know, he's in 1972. So it's kind of a time travel type of movie, too. Um, so he, he sees a guy walking down the street. Lo and behold, it's Archibald Graham, the old Archibald Graham. He'd become a doctor. And, you know, he was able to provide services for people and all that stuff. So he, he basically asked him, you know, if there was one thing that you could do in your life other than be a doctor, what would it have, what would it have been? And he's like, well, I would have liked to have batted, wanted bat in the major leagues. And he basically says, well, I'm, you know, I, I don't know if you want to, but I think I can take you to a place that you can do that. And he's like, well, I don't want to do that because I won't, if I do that, maybe I'll continue to play. I would have continued on playing if I would have gotten in at bat. He goes, it would have been a travesty if I didn't become a doctor. So they, he leaves it at that. And 
they decide, Kevin Costner's like, well, I'm going to bring you home, Terrence, and then I'm going to go back home. And he's like, well, no, I'm going to go with you. I have to see this now. Um, so they drive to Iowa, and along the way, they pick up a kid hitchhiking. And lo and behold, it's the young version of Archibald Graham. So they drive back to Iowa to the to raise home. They get out, and um, so they brought it. And so the players are there; they're you know warming up or whatever. And Joe Jackson walks over and is talking to Ray and introduces himself to Terrence Mann, and then kind of walks back and looks at the the kid and says, "Oh, you're Archibald Graham." Never, never introduces himself to him, never says anything to him. He just walks back over and knows exactly who he is. And everybody's kind of awestruck at that. Like, well, how do you know who this kid is? So, you know, he tells him to go warm up. They play. Um, and then, so they, they play the rest of the night and then they come back the next morning and they're playing again. And Archibald Graham's there and, um, Andy's brother shows up and he, he's got the foreclosure papers in his hand and he gives them to Ray and tells him he's got to sign because come tomorrow morning, because it's a Sunday. So Monday morning, they're going to foreclose on a house and they're going to lose everything. Um, so they go about talking, you know, and his Ray's daughter basically says, well, Dad, you don't have to worry, Dad, because people are going to come. And they're like, well, what do you mean? And she just says, well, people will come. People are going to come here and, and want to see this. But nobody else can see them. Like Timothy Busfield, who plays Andy's brother, he can't see the only people that can see him are Terrence Mann, Ray Liotta. Terrence Mann is played by James Earl Jones, Darth Vader, Kevin Costner, um, Annie. Um, can't remember who she's played by. I had it right there on top of my tongue, and I can't remember. And his daughter. Meet me out again. There you go. Thank you. Got it. Um, so, they, so he, you know, they're all they're all standing in there. Um, and what happens is Ray's daughter falls off the back of the bleachers and starts choking on a hot dog. And they're standing there and they're going to call 911 and whatnot. And um, Ray says to wait. And in the field is Archibald Graham. He comes running over and there's a line of rocks in the dirt that the, the players can't go over. If they go over that, they turned into their older selves and they can't play, they can't go back and play baseball anymore. So he steps on, he steps on the rock and he changes from the young Archibald Graham to the older Archibald Graham, the doctor and saves his daughter's life. So everybody's, you know, everybody's real happy. And at that point, now Timothy Busfield can see everybody, which is like the funny part. Cause he, he's, they're showing it. And he goes, Oh, when did these players get here? And they've, huh. they've been standing there. Um, but when they're talking about when his daughter's talking about when um, the people will come, James Earl Jones has one of the, the greatest speeches, I think, in any movie, talking about how baseball has stood the test of time. The world has been built, destroyed, and rebuilt, but baseball continues on. It's always there. It's always going to be there. Um, I can't. I, I can probably, if I looked it up, I probably could give you the whole speech. But it's kind of that's the gist of it. Um, and then so at the end, they're talking. He's talking to he's talking to Ray. Joe Jackson's talking to Ray, you know, and he looks at him and says, well, because they invite Terrence Mann to come with him. 
out into the field. And when you go in the field, you kind of disappear. It's pretty weird. Um, but she sent, he asked him to go with him and Ray wants to go. He wants to know what's out there and if it's heaven or whatever. And he keeps saying, well, I think you should stay. I think you should stay. I think you should stay. So finally he realizes that there's a reason why he, he should have stayed. And the reason is his father, the younger version of his father is there catching the game. So they realized that everything that they were pushing him towards, you know, build it. If you build it, he will come ease his pain. Um, the other one is go the distance. Um, it was all for him to make up with his father. Him and his father had a fight just before his father died. Um, and he never had a chance to, to make up with his father. So the end scene is him and his father talking. He introduces him to his wife. He introduces him to his daughter, which is obviously his daughter-in-law and his grand, granddaughter. But he doesn't know at the time because he's so much younger at the time. He, when he's later is when he had Ray. Um, so at the end, the two of them, which is the one thing he says in the movie is, you know, can you imagine a, a son not wanting to play catch with his father? You know, that's, that's kind of poignant because at the end, as his dad's walking away, he asks him, Hey dad, he finally calls him dad at that point. Hey dad, you want to have a catch? And they start playing catch. And as they pull away, you see the line of cars coming down the road and it's miles and miles long. So obviously the fact that his daughter said that people will come proves the point that they're going to be there. And people are pulling in at that time when they're playing catch in the field. So um, that's, that's the basis of the movie. Um, I love the movie. I try to watch it whenever, whenever it's on. Um, for me, it's got more meaning than most people. I was actually able to go and step foot on that field with my father. Me and my father went. It was, one of the, it was a trip that him and I took just the two of us, um, we drove to the field. I was actually able to play catch with my father on that field. Um, so that was pretty good. And I actually got to take batting practice on that field. Nice. With my father pitching, with my father pitching to me. Um, the funny thing about that was we were there and they, you know, they obviously there's people all over the place. People come from all, all over to see this field. So there were kids hitting and stuff like that. And, you know, parents are, goofing around and trying to catch fly balls. But a lot of the parents were sitting on the sidelines and the kids were kind of goofing around and they were just, you know, they were kind of not really doing anything. So I decided to take a little batting practice with my father. And I started hitting balls all over the place. And you could see the fathers on the sidelines grab their gloves and run out in the field. So I thought that was pretty, that was pretty cool. And it was, I mean, again, playing catch with my father on that field uh, that nothing will, my son being born is nothing that tops that. Um, because obviously the, the way the movie ends, him playing catch with his father. And my father and I talk about that all the time. It was a great trip. Um, so for me, you can ask me how many stars I give it. I can't, I couldn't tell you that because there's, there's more, more meaning to the movie for me than anything else. Um, cinematography and all that stuff is, is good. I mean, it's pretty basic. They don't really do too much. The, the good thing, I mean, the funny thing about it is, I mean, obviously it's Kevin Costner. He played in three baseball movies total. He did Bull Durham, which anybody has seen it knows that's a classic baseball movie. This one, and then the rumor has it. The funny thing about it is, is there's two teenagers as extras in the scene at Fenway Park. 
you know who they are. It's Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Oh no, kidding! Yeah, it's the first time they're on this ever on the screen. That's it's funny. in that movie as extras. So that's where they got their start. So that that was pretty cool. Um, but like I said, movies got more meaning to me. Um, for stars, I'm gonna have to give it like 750. <laughs> so if I understand this, it's a movie about mental illness and shared delusions. Yeah. Okay, just wanted to make sure I was following along. Yeah. <laughs> he pours his heart out, tells you how much this means to him, and you're like, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> that, that doesn't take away the meaning that it has to him. It doesn't. No. As somebody who's never seen this movie before listening to that, I'm just like, what the fuck? Yeah, it, it's kind of fever it, dream bullshit is this? It's, it, it's, weird. it's weird because, yeah, because, I mean, obviously you get the fantasy aspect, you get the time travel aspect. Yeah, it's, 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 it's definitely... Imagining, you know, like, like six writers writing this by committee. Oh, 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 what if he just walks out and goes back in time? Right. Exactly. Oh, you know, I mean, just, just like they had an idea, a farmer builds a, a baseball field, diamond right. in a cornfield and then just shit went off the rails from there and the writers are... Right, right. you got you have players that have been dead for 20 years that are coming back to play baseball and they... Oh, and let's get that guy form. named after the salami to play him, you know? <laughs> That, that's what stuns me is that you don't know who Ray Liotta is. I that's, do know who okay, Ray Liotta thank God. is. <laughs> thank God. I thought you were serious. I was like, wait, no, come on. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Corbs, do, do you want to hear what um, Roger Ebert had to say about Field of Dreams? Uh, well, he gives it three stars. Okay. Uh, and this was uh, apparently, I'm assuming these are all the release dates when the, with the date that they have on them. And that was April 21st of 1989. Yeah, about right. And he says, the farmer is standing in the middle of a cornfield when he hears the voice for the first time. If you build it, he will come. He looks around and doesn't see anybody. The voice speaks again, soft and confidential. If you build it, he will come. Sometimes you can get too much sun out there in a hot Iowa cornfield in the middle of the season. But this isn't a case of sunstroke. Up until the farmer starts hearing voices, Field of Dreams is a completely sensible film about a young couple who want to run a family farm in Iowa. Ray and Annie Kinsella, Kevin Costner and Amy Madigan, have tested the fast track and had enough of it, and they enjoy sitting on the porch and listening to the grass grow. When the, voices speaks, when the voice speaks for the first time, the farmer is baffled and so was I. Could this be one of those religious pictures where a voice tells the humble farmer where to build the cathedral? It is a religious picture, all right, but the religion is baseball. And when he doesn't understand the spoken message, Ray is granted a vision of a baseball diamond right there in his cornfield. If he builds it, the voice seems to promise, Joe Jackson will come and play on it. Shoeless Joe, who was a member of the infamous 1919 Black Sox team, but protested until the day he died that he played the best he could. As Field of Dreams developed this fantasy, I found myself being willingly drawn into it. Movies are often so timid these days, so afraid to take flights of the imagination, that there is something grand and brave about a movie where a voice tells a farmer to build a baseball diamond so that Shoeless Joe Jackson can materialize out of the cornfield and hit a few fly balls. This is the kind of movie Frank Capra might have directed and James Stewart might have starred in, a movie about dreams. It is important not to tell too much about the plot, Corbs. Sure. <laughs> 
I'm grateful I, I knew. <laughs> right. I'm grateful I knew nothing about the movie when I went to see it, but the ads give away the shoeless Joe angle. Let it be said that Annie supports her husband's vision and that he finds it necessary to travel east to Boston so that he can enlist the support of a famous writer played by James Earl Jones, who has disappeared from sight north to Minnesota to talk to what remains of a doctor, Burt Lancaster, who never got the chance to play with the pros. The movie sensibly never tries to make the slightest explanation for the strange events that happen after the diamond is constructed. There is, of course, the usual business about how the bank thinks the farmer has gone haywire and wants to foreclose on his mortgage. The Capra and Stewart movies always had evil bankers in them. But there is not a corny, stupid payoff at the end. Instead, the movie depends on a poetic vision to make its point. The director, Phil Eldon Robinson, and the writer, W.P. Kinsella, are dealing with stuff that's close to the heart. It can't be a coincidence that the author and the hero have the same last name. They love baseball and they think it stands for an earlier, simpler time when professional sports were still games and not industries. There is a speech in this movie about baseball that is so simple and true that it is heartbreaking. And the whole attitude towards the players reflects that attitude. Why do they come back from the great beyond and play in this cornfield? Not to make any kind of vast earth-shattering earth statement, but simple, simply to hit a few and field a few and remind us of a good and innocent time. It is very tricky to act in a movie like this. There is always the danger of seeming ridiculous. Costner and Madigan create such a grounded, believable married couple that one of the themes of this movie is the way love means sharing your loved one's dreams. Jones and Lancaster create small, sharp character portraits. Two older men who have taken the paths life offered them, but never forgotten what baseball represented to them in their youth. Field of Dreams will not appeal to Grinches and Grouches and Realists. It is a deliberate, delicate movie, a fragile construction of one goofy fantasy after another, but it has the courage to be about exactly what it promises. If you build it, he will come. And he does. In a baseball movie named The Natural, the hero seemed almost messianic? Messianic, yeah. Thank you. Field of Dreams has a more modest aim. The ghost of Shoeless Joe does not come back to save the world. He simply wants to answer that wounded cry that has become a baseball legend. Say it ain't so, Joe. And the answer is, it ain't. That makes me imagine him showing up in the midst of a bunch of Nazis with a gun going, I'm Shoeless Joe, bitches. You forgot. Corpse forgot to tell you that part. That actually is in the middle of the movie. Oh, okay. Sorry. It is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I like your review better because it actually made me want to go back and watch it again. And like I said, I haven't seen it in years and years. Yep. So I'm not going to do that. <laughs> as soon as he finishes Supernatural, you'll watch it? Is that it? I, I won't <laughs> even make that promise. So. <laughs> it's <just> like, <laughs> fuck no. <laughs> all right. So let's move on to something a little more modern. Have you guys all uh, caught up on WandaVision? Yep. Mm -hmm. So that was an interesting one, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, full color, finally. Yeah, and, got uh, the whole seventies thing going. Yeah, yep. was that was that like the Mary Mary Tyler Moore show? I thought it was Brady Bunch. Yeah, I thought Brady Bunch. That, okay, that's the vibe I, I got. That's why I first thought it. I thought it kind of too Brady Bunch, but the 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 ending of the thing, I thought maybe kind of more like Mary Tyler. It was more like Mary Tyler Moore ish but i kind of got the brady bunch theme vibe too in the beginning so okay yeah uh i think it's cool that we got the twins 
yeah. And uh, mentioning of uh, uh, Pietro and uh, Ultron. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't expect um, Francine or whatever her supposed name Wendelin. is. Yeah, and in the end of the episode, that just makes me think um, the outside world is there, and they're trying to keep something in. Yeah, yeah, and in the the conspiring with the two neighbors there. Yeah, like, I, I, I I wish we would have gotten a little bit more of a payoff on that one. Yeah, yep. But there is, is it, some is weird shit of, going on. No, is it my? I remember she has the ability to kind of mess with your mind. Yes. Oh, reality, right? She's yeah. With reality, she kind of can implant whatever. I mean, I remember from Age of Ultron. Yeah. Yeah. When she messes with like Tony Stark and all all of them, is it is it my understanding that that's kind of what's going on here? Like somebody's messing with her mind. They're trying to keep her kind of sedated, almost. It's hard to say. and uh, I mean, what I initially thought going into it, I'm second guessing now. I'm not. I'm not second guessing it at all. Um, I, I still think that's the basis, the House of M thing. But they're definitely tweaking stuff. Well, they and, have to because well, I mean, you, know, you can't have totally that have line. To. You know, but yeah, right. but I, I still I still think it's the same basic idea. Um, but it, it seems to me like people are aware of it and trying to contain it. Yeah, and uh, it looks like Sword is trying to drop people into it to uh, help it along, coax it, like keep Maybe. it mellow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you, said, and you know, you said Sword. Yes. Okay. You'll I, see. You, 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 I did see like the like the Hydra soap. Yes. Like I thought maybe it was. I, I'm assuming that's the same thing as as Hydra. Sword, uh, that's my you... assumption too yeah because okay. there's I... been two references in the commercials now to hydra yeah, yeah. um i don't know if, i don't know if that's what it was if it was like hydra is kidnapped or whatever and they've kind of got her in a sedated state type of thing maybe i'm way off i don't i don't know but i i think that interestingly enough the scene outside um after she has the baby with vision and the neighbors that makes me that makes me think that vision is somewhat autonomous. Paul, you know what I'm talking about. I, I'm I'm not entirely convinced he's part of this. Right. As I as I yeah. first thought he was right. part of this. I, I construct initially, and no, I don't think so either. But I don't know how how you know. Right. So that's again not wanting to to give anything away here. But um, right, because we're very early into the show. I, I don't even know how many episodes this is, but I mean we are. On, unfolding slowly yeah um can't wait till next friday no i'm loving this show it's so well done and i'm the only one in the house that enjoys it i keep being told it's stupid so um i i can i can see where people won't understand it and don't like it it's it's tough to it's tough to kind of get into i mean if you're not looking at it you know, you know, first first episode it was kind of like the fifties, sixties TV show, and it was like the sixties with the end coming into the seventies, but you get into the color era, and now mm-hmm. you got that. I'm assuming next week will probably be maybe more seventies. You'll probably even maybe get into like a little bit of the eighties. I was thinking more like the Cosby Show type of thing. I don't know if they'll do the Cosby Show only because <laughs> of of Bill and stuff like that. I just that that part to me seems kind of cool 
that they they're incorporating that. Oh, stuff. and then we get to the '90s and they can do Fresh Prince. They'll probably do Full go. House though. I, I was thinking Full House, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Fresh Prince of Bel Air would be great. <laughs> Um, but yeah, this is quickly becoming one of my favorite shows right now. Yeah. Even awesome. though that uh, well, we've got Walking Dead coming back in a few weeks. For yeah, a excited run. about that. Can't wait for that. Is, uh, speaking of that, is, is Fear the Walking Dead coming back? Yes. Yeah. Uh, end of February. They just announced that uh, yesterday, I think. Okay. Six episodes. Yeah. Uh, I know that. No, regular back. Walking Dead's coming back. Yeah, Fear the Walking back Dead. Oh, I'm sorry. My bad. That, I believe. Yeah, it will. Yeah. Yeah, Walking Dead comes back in February. The 28th. Yeah. 20, yeah, it's 23rd. So 23rd to the 28th, yeah. Okay. Something like one that, of yeah. the loopy ones there. Yeah. One of... <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, we're getting close to wrapping up here. Um, Sci-Fi Horror Fest. Uh, I've been talking to Tiffany Beth again. Uh, she wanted uh, wanted us to let everybody know all their vendor slots are sold out. So that's going to be a jam-packed nice. show. Um, and she uh, she also said to tease that the the next guest announcement will be coming in March. Okay, so looking forward to that. Um, does anybody have anything else know, to wrap up? Does here? she know who it is? I mean, I mean she knows. She she, she knows. She will not tell me anything. That's for sure. Why we didn't uh, let it? We didn't let it slip. Nope, nope. But she she okay. keeps that close to the vest. I I do have something. To okay. bring up, uh, we we weren't gonna you know we d- weren't gonna like touch on the whole capital thing. We didn't even talk politics oh, this week. Um, I forgot. But there was something that came out um, today. I saw somebody posted it on uh, my Facebook page, and it was just a picture of uh, Kamala Harris. God damn it! Not on your screen. Yeah, and you no. can't even see it. No. Yeah, well, you can't glowing. see. It. Okay, it's just a picture of her from the inauguration with uh, a Bible verse. It said, "And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked." with gold and precious stones and pearls having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication revelation 17 4 um wow and then this should give you chills now of course we went through the whole obama's the antichrist thing mm-hmm. um now apparently kamala harris is now she made the the awful awful sin of wearing purple okay there's no scarlet okay there's no scarlet in a, in, in her outfit at all just purple they still put that up there um decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. She's got pearl earrings on and she's got a very modest necklace, probably not nearly as much as a bunch of other people at the, you know, inauguration definitely isn't decked out. There's no golden cup in her hand anywhere. And I'm just like, fucking Christ almighty. I mean, you know how I feel about religion, but for fuck's sake, you know, how many times do you people have to be wrong about who the Antichrist is before you realize your leaders are full of shit? For fuck's sake. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> and uh, we will just touch on um, all those those awful, awful riots on, on the inauguration day. Oh, yeah. That was yeah. horrible, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I shared on, on Twitter um, a photo from the Capitol here in New York in Albany of uh, one lone sad individual there with his, his Trump flag. It's a, uh, it was good times. So, yeah. So that, that, that was a, uh, that was nothing. Yeah. Yep. Um, any, any, any last statements before I start dropping nuggets again? Drop some nuggets, Paul. <laughs> All right. So folks ask if I run. Yes, out of patience, fucks, and money. Good night, everybody. Megan, bite me, bitches. This has been a Geek Pod Network production. production.